Hi, this is Anishka Fernandopoli. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button under my picture on dharmaseed.org or go to my website, anushkaf.org, A-N-U-S-H-K-A-F.org, and click on donate. Thanks. I appreciate your support. Of, uh, talks, and there's also no happiness hour, as far as I know, so <laughs> that's good. So it's been an exciting time here in the Bay Area the last uh, couple weeks for a variety of reasons. Um, usually this is Halloween time, which is kind of among the high holy days here and uh, our city, which is one of the things I love about um, San Francisco, that grown-ups are into Halloween too. But then also, of course, we have the uh, World Series win of the Giants. So uh, I live in this neighborhood, and uh, about 24 hours ago, this whole street of 16th Street was a spontaneous giant block party where people poured out of the bars and celebrated on the streets there. And then today we have uh, Election Day. I see many people with their I Voted stickers, so hooray for you for doing that. Uh, and also it's uh, today the Dia de las Muertas, right? so Day of the Dead. Uh, which is a Mexican uh, origin celebration. So around this time, Halloween, the Day of the Dead, also All, All Souls Day in the Catholic uh, calendar, since we're in this Christian church, it's the time when the thin veil between the living and the dead is lifted. Right? So uh, opportunity to interact in a different way with uh, those who have passed. So, And also a time to remember friends, loved ones, uh, relatives, uh, who have died, right? So it's good to take time to do that. And keeping this in mind, I thought I might share a little bit with you about uh, some of the Buddhist teachings around uh, sort of cosmology and death and life and this kind of thing. So, uh, you know, usually the, in, in my bio, if people read where I went in my education and stuff, it's not really necessarily so relevant. But I did actually study Buddhism in college uh, at Harvard a uh, very long time ago. So now I'll pull some of that out here. Uh, so these are some of the teachings of the Buddha around sort of the world systems and kind of cosmology and death and things like that. So these are all things that it's very difficult for most of us to verify. So I offer them more for your interest, as well as that there's a way in which there's a connection between uh, this level of teachings and understanding our own mind. So that's really the angle that I want to go with on uh, sharing some of this with you, is how can we understand our own experience and how can we understand our own mind in light of some of these uh, teachings, which uh, every different tradition has some teachings about this kind of thing. So the first thing to say about um, Buddhist cosmology is that it's vast, 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 right? So the span of time that the Buddha talks about and that uh, the Buddhist teachings talk about is huge. And I think this is somewhat true of just in general in many uh, South Asian, Asian cultures is that there is a very vast sense of time. Uh, so my family is originally from uh, Sri Lanka and... Uh, I was born here, but I have a lot of relatives, so I go back frequently, see them, and people get married and visit grandma and things like that. 
And I remember taking one of my friends from college who is a European-American uh, a couple times ago, and I went, and we went to this museum, and she was kind of amazed because the exhibits were just about such great, huge lengths of time of civilization. And um, there was one exhibit that was talking about a group of people who had... Uh, who were recent immigrants to Sri Lanka, so they said, who had come like 250 years ago. You know, those are considered recent immigrants, right? And uh, she was laughing and saying like, oh, you know, in the U.S. and the Smithsonian, they have exhibits about like the 1950s. You know, that's like our history is like the 1950s. Here's Fonzie's jacket and, you know, stuff like that. So, um, so the range of time is vast here, huge. So to give you a sense of this, the... Uh, universe is said to be expanding and contracting, right? And in each of these expansions and contractions, it's like the world is basically created and then destroyed again, right? But the time of this expansion contraction is huge. So it's called like a Mahakalpa, so the name of this uh, length of time. So Mahakalpa is like such a large range of time that it's hard to uh, explain, but the Buddha is always a very uh, brilliant teacher and used a lot of metaphors. So people ask him about this. Like, how long is this time, this expansion, contraction thing, right? It interests you, right? Like, is it going to be before I get to go on vacation? Is it like, you know, before I get to do something? You know. So no. So if you imagine, uh, here's one of the metaphors. If you imagine that there's a cube that's 16 miles by 16 miles by 16 miles, right? This cube, right? huge. And every hundred years one mustard seed is dropped into this cube. Right? By the time the cube is filled, the kappa will still not be finished. Right? So that big. Or another metaphor is that uh, there's a mountain as big or bigger than Mount Everest. Right? Huge mountain. And uh, again, every hundred years uh, a bird flies by with a silk, silk scarf in his mouth. And the silk scarf just like brushes the mountain, right? So every hundred years. So the amount of time that it takes the mountain to wear down to nothing, the kalpa is still going on. <laughs> okay. So we're talking huge ranges of time, right? And then in terms of this sort of expansion, contraction kind of thing, how many of these have happened? So he also said, you know, the monks asked him, like, well, how, how many of these have gone on? You know, and also that's huge. Also, it's vast, right? So he says, you know, the Ganges River, which is this great, huge river in India, if you take all the grains of sand from the base of the river all the way to the ocean, right, all through the Ganges River, uh, the amount of uh, the kalpas that have come and gone are still more than these. So this is kind of blowing your mind about these things, right? Like, don't even try to sort of fathom. It's like huge, right? Which can create a sense of real spaciousness, you know, in this. Because during all of these times, then, all of us here, currently identified as uh, humans who are incarnated here, or other beings, listening in other ways, uh, have been going around and around in what we could call the endless round of rebirth here in samsara, right? So kicking it back and forth, round and around, right? Uh, so Buddhist teachings, I'm sure you're familiar with, is the teaching of um, rebirth also, right? Which is also uh, similar in Hinduism, so kind of common in that uh, those kinds of religion is that the phys death of the physical body uh, is one thing, but then there is some continuation of this process of consciousness in connection with another uh, life form. Right, that happens. So now these life forms also 
there's actually vast amounts of uh, realms. There's huge amounts of different different forms that you can be born in, right? So as humans, you know, we've kind of studied the natural world, and you know, like, oh, there's all these different kinds of insects and like slugs and birds, and uh, you know, then you get into the mammals and the furry creatures and the uh, birds and all that, right? So that's all like one realm, all of the animals, of like 31 possible realms of uh, rebirth, right? So the, the realms go all the way from the heavenly realms, the super-duper heavenly realms, all the way down to the depths of hell realms. So actually in Buddhist teachings there are uh, heavens and hells, and there are actually uh, gods, so to speak, right? In case you're wondering, we're actually like fifth from the bottom, so uh, here in the human realm. So uh, there's a lot better. Uh, but this is considered the best place to be for engaging with teachings of liberation. Right? So the realms below include the animal realms and then various hell realms in which there's a lot, lot of suffering. And when you're in a lot, lot of suffering, it's really hard to engage with anything beyond how much your life is terrible right? and how much you're suffering. So you can relate to this also from times in your own life. Sometimes it's too hard to actually like pull yourself up and like see any light, right? And then actually the realms above us uh, go into realms in which uh, things are actually really great. So there are some realms that are somewhat sense realms, right? Uh, but uh, realms in which the physical body is actually very um, ephemeral in some ways, right? So uh, it doesn't. Uh, smell or exude uh, liquids or odors or, you know, any of the, the uh, things that our human bodies do. But, uh, in fact, these gods are born and uh, many of them uh, don't know that they're going to die, right? So in these god, some of these god realms, like, uh, they don't know they're going to die and they have very long lives. And it's not like they can see sort of aging going on, but it's just like right at the end of their very, very long and beautiful life, they start to smell bad and, like, pass away, <laughs> But for a long time, they can kind of cruise, right? Um, and, uh, you know, it's said that basically, like, things are so good there that there's no incentive to actually uh, do anything else, right? Like, there's no incentive to sort of uh, introspection or, you know, well, what's it all about or what's the meaning of it or anything like that, right? And then some of the uh, heavenly realms are actually uh, immaterial realms, so formless realms too, right? So our realm is considered... Uh, the best place because it's actually a mix of pleasure and pain, right? So it's not, for some people, so hellish all the time that you don't have like a little uh, window of light. You can kind of think about things or pay attention. We have a certain amount of intelligence, right? But also it's also not so great that you can cruise for that long, right? Uh, The physical body is one of the things that helps us with that, right? Because even as you're just sitting here for 45 minutes, the body starts to complain, right? In like small or large ways about posture, about the cushion you're sitting on, right? About the way the knees are, about pressure, about the temperature, right? So you could consider from this angle that your body is your friend in this way because it's like calling you back, you know? It's like calling you back, like, oh, pay attention, you know? So in the Buddhist teachings, it's encouraged that um, we actually consider death. We actually reflect on death. That we remember that we are going to die. So both for the sake of uh, knowing this as a fact of the way things are, 
And it said, you know, this is the most wondrous thing. I think it's in the Mahabharata. The most wondrous thing is that everyone sees everyone else dying around them, but never thinks that they're going to die. So consider that for yourself. Like, do I actually get that? Like, do I actually think that I'm going to die? So maybe on some intellectual level, like, yeah, yeah, that'll probably happen, right? But, you know, do I actually think, like, one of these days my life will be over, as I know it, right? And I don't know which of those days it will be either, right? So this is not, uh, you know, meant to uh, spook you on Day of the Dead, per se, uh, although it might, but this is actually to come into contact with reality, right? So death is certain, only time of death is uncertain. All that is dear, uh, all that is dear and beloved from me will be, I will be separated from in one way or another. So if you uh, grow old, then you have old age. If you don't grow old, then you die young, right? So this is kind of like the um, straight talk from the Buddha, you know. (laughs) This is the way it is. It's like as simple as that, right? So uh, we can also reflect on these different realms. And there's much more elaboration I could do about the different realms, but I think it's kind of... um, it's kind of unnecessary. If you're interested, you can kind of look into it. But I would caution you not to get too fascinated with it, um, both because uh, it can be like uh, a big kind of way that if your mind is oriented towards complexity, it can be something to just get really interested in, but actually not necessarily uh, help you focus any better on your own liberation. Right? Um, but if it, it, it is something that will sort of inspire you in terms of the kind of scope, then you could look into it a little bit more. But the basics of it is, is that there are these different realms, and these realms actually do correspond, in fact, to states of mind that we currently also could experience. Right? So think about a time in your life when you were, for example, uh, if you had such a time in which you were very jealous right, of someone for some reason. So maybe you were in a relationship with someone and you got very jealous about something, someone else who would like them. Or maybe uh, in a job and someone else got something that you wanted, like a promotion or something like that. Uh, Maybe even when you were a kid, right? A sibling had some ability that you liked or you felt like your mother liked them better than you, something like that, right? So the realm of jealousy is like one of the hell realms, right? If you can ever remember a time when you were actually like gripped and driven by uh, jealousy, Right? or by rage, or something like that. In those times, like you're actually experiencing what it's like to be caught in a hell realm. Right? And then conversely, the times in which you experience uh, some of the more refined states. So this metta that we practiced at the end of the uh, sitting is actually one of the uh, Brahma-viharas. It's called the, the uh, realms of the gods. Right? So these four qualities that Buddha taught about uh, about cultivating loving kindness, cultivating compassion, cultivating equanimity, cultivating uh, appreciative joy. Right. So these are actually the realms of the gods. And when you uh, cultivate this state of mind and actually become completely concentrated and absorbed in that state of mind, you are actually living in that realm of the gods. Right. And it's supposed to be like actually a 
a positive precondition for rebirth in those realms is to hang out there a lot. So it's kind of like hang out where you want to live. This is kind of like dress for your next job, you know, dress for the position you want to have, right? It's like take your mind to the place that you want to go, right? Uh, so these, during these practices, we get a taste of that, like what it's like to actually be in these states of uh, purity, right? Of complete uh, oneness with love, uh, with equanimity, with joy. And then for most of us, we bounce around, you know. Sometimes we taste this one, and sometimes we taste that one, right? And, and this is also uh, the factor of change, right? That we can see this in our mind stream, this continuous change of different moods, different uh, mind states, different thoughts that come and go. And then we can notice which ones we get caught by, right? So here's where the practice is really powerful, because with mindfulness practice, the first step is knowing what is it that's here, right? Like, what realm am I in today, you know? And really, it's like you get reborn into these different realms, you could say. You know, whether or not you believe in, like, the actual rebirth, and, you know, I could be a snail, and I could be this and that, right, uh, in a different realm. Like, you look at rebirth even just now, right? When you wake up in the morning, like, sometimes you're in this mood, sometimes you're in that mood, Right? And then you go somewhere else, and then suddenly something else arises. So notice, like, what's in your mind, right? Notice how your mind stream is, right? And notice that some things come up, and then those states seem to stick, you know? Sometimes there's a state of fear that arises, and it seems like we get caught in that, right? Like we can't get out of that. Or sometimes we hang around with people who are very, like, generous and loving, and that facilitates ourselves being generous and loving, right? So sometimes we're hanging out in that realm, too. So really paying attention to what are the states of mind and heart that I'm cultivating in my life in this way, right? Like what realms am I living in right here and now on earth in my regular life, right? And what are the things that facilitate the ones that feel like they're uh, better for me, better for others, right? So it seems like kind of a mundane thing, but um, from this angle, it's like paying attention to what realm you are taking rebirth in all the time. So just know, you could check in in the morning, you could check in in the afternoon, check in the evening. Like, oh, okay, where am I today? Oh, I'm in the hungry ghost realm today. Hungry ghost realm is like uh, this eternal greed. And uh, this is supposed to be like these beings that are like eternally greedy and hungry, but they have only like mouths the size like of a straw, right? So they can't actually ever satisfy that, right? So they can only like take something from a straw, but they're like really, really hungry all the time, right? Not fun, right? So, but sometimes you feel like that, right? Sometimes it's like there's this thirst, there's this yearning for something, right? And it's like you can't get it, you can't get it, you can't get it, right? So feel that, like feel the suffering of that, know that, right? Become familiar with that. See that that's not actually the realm that you want to live in, right? Because without examination, we just kind of get bounced around these realms all the time, get stuck in that one, right? Or know what you can do to cultivate the other ones, right? Like basically at all different times of our life, we're cultivating something or the other. So we're cultivating greed, we're cultivating love, we're cultivating fear, we're cultivating uh, concentration, right? So like, oh, what am I cultivating today, right? What do I cultivate in my quote-unquote free time, right? Like where's my mind hanging out when I'm on the bus or in the checkout line or, uh, you know, the in-between times? can be really interesting to see, like, oh, what realm am I born in today? What realm am I in at this moment? Right? And check it out. Yeah. So that's a kind of quick and uh, kind of general 
tour through some of the Buddhist cosmology. But again, the angle is not necessarily like you have to buy that whole thing because you know it's not something that um, most of us can verify per se. But I feel like generally speaking, that idea there's like higher realms, lower realms, and we actually know that right now is actually a very helpful one to uh, consider. As well as like to consider this vast array of time in which we live. So you know, some of the um, Mahayana uh, teachings also are actually to reflect on this in terms of our relationships to other people. Right? So when there's one Tibetan practice which is like, go around and imagine that everyone who you see uh, was your mother right, at some point. So this is imagining that your mother is a positive relationship in your life. So hopefully that's the, the case, right? So, you know, that everyone who you meet basically was someone who gave their all to nurture and protect you, right? Or the opposite. Like, imagine that everyone who you meet is actually your child, right? So in this life, we have these particular relationships in which we invest a lot, right? And that's good. It's not like there's something wrong with that. And, oh, I need to t- treat my child like a stranger because that's more equanimous. Like, it's not like that at all. Like, yeah, you should feed your kid and take them to school and, you know, teach them and all of that, right? But what if everyone had that relationship with you? Yeah. Like, what if everyone was completely beloved to you? Yeah. Like, what if you were so happy to see, like, that person who just stepped onto Bart? You know, like, what would that, what would that be like? You know, if you're like, oh, you're back. Oh, you know, right? Like, imagine how nice that would be for that person and also for you, right? So, you know, can you just play around with that a little bit? So in this, in this scheme of uh, mahakalpas and of endless rebirth, it's like, yeah, we probably all have, you know, had these different relationships to each other. So strangers have been friends, you know, enemies have been lovers, and uh, lovers have been pets, you know? It's like all... <laughs> It's like all mixed in, right? So it just kind of loosens up also our, our current ideas about how things are and it's fixed and, you know, this is me and that's you and, you know, our fixed ideas of identity and who's better or worse or anything like that, right? And then also just giving compassion, you know, because all of us have been knocking around for a really, really long time, <laughs> you know, a really, really long time, right? And what is our relationship to other beings given Uh, this fact like what would it be like if actually you were uh, you're in an area in which you're kind of in a uh, don't pay that much attention to people like say um, you're in um, Muni you're on Muni riding Muni right and suddenly you find like actually the Muni ride is going on for eternity right Sometimes it seems like it's going on for eternity, but this time actually it is, it is going on for eternity. And actually everyone in this Muni bus is going to be your universe, right? So everyone in the Muni bus is going to be like the person you fall in love with and your employer and the person who is your kid and your neighbor and the person who is your enemy and is trying to kill you and the person who uh, is your uh, teacher and, you know, like everyone here. And then it's all going to shift around, right? And you're there for eternity, like all of you, stuck on Muni, right? <laughs> so that's kind of what it is like, except there's a lot more people, so, you know, and a lot more beings knocking around, so, you know, I can kind of uh, uh, not get as fixated. But we do get fixated, right? Like, we get fixated on what our current situation is and ignoring the rest of the people and kind of identifying who's in our team, who's in the other team, etc. right? So some of the... Um, power of the metta practice also if you do more formal sort of loving kindness practices that you kind of break that down by seeing like okay can I wish well first for those who are in my sort of inner circle of beloveds 
then can I wish well for my friends, similarly? Can I wish well for the neutral people, which you know most of the six billion people on the earth are, right? People I don't think about one way or the other. Then can I actually wish well for the difficult people, right? So these kinds of practices are also like kind of helpful to uh, help shape the heart, change the heart, and kind of change our relationship to uh, the way that we see things. So we see things in one way, in this visual way, and then we see things in one way based on our ideas of things, right? And you don't have to buy the ideas that I've just put out, but it sometimes can help to just try them on, just to loosen otherwise our ideas about exactly how things are, exactly who we are. So I'll leave you with this, that uh, batch of uh, wackiness for you to consider uh, and see if anyone has any reflections, any uh, questions about that. Um, we can engage in some discussion. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned um, the Pema Chodron. You said you Pema Chodron tapes, right? Yeah. I actually just saw um, Pema Chodron teaching. Um, some of you probably did too. She was up in, uh, so she was up in Craneway Pavilion, which is in um, Richmond. It's this very beautiful, like, giant warehouse thing on the water. And it's the first time I ever went there. 
Um, and there was maybe 3,000 people and Pema's teaching and all this. And then I just went up there on um, Saturday for this um, Halloween women's roller derby event. And it was just seeing like, you know, it was this totally different scene. It's the exact same, you know, arena, right? And uh, people were all in Halloween costumes and it was like women's roller derby. People like, you know, hip checking each other out, you know. So, I mean, it's like that too. It's like, oh, here's this different realm, you know, from Pema Children to Halloween women's roller derby. So, um, I think one thing is like the the aspect of just getting interested in it. So, you know, one of these realms of the... the, uh, the lower realms is like this angry god realm actually it's like the titans and they're just fighting all the time and I think they don't even remember what they're fighting about but they're just like warring all the time you know so it's kind of like that sometimes you're born into this realm so sometimes if you're if your mind is oriented in this way like for me sometimes this kind of even if you take it as mythology or um, some kind of lens like this helps to just be like oh today I'm in the titan realm <laughs> the warring god realm okay so this is what it's like so let me see what it's like right so the, the there's often a part that's like railing against the suffering about it you know which is like let me put in the Pema children tape no let me do this let me do this risotto something right you know I'm, I don't mean to make fun because this is what all of us do this in some ways like how do I get uh, yeah how do I get out of this right how do I make this end right but usually the answer is like the way out is the way through you know we think like the way out is I'm going to suppress it I'm going to pretend it's not there I'm going to cover over the unpleasant with the pleasant I'm going to do you know there's like a lot of kind of like common strategies we take uh, usually none of which works for very long you know so then finally we're kind of get cornered by it and it's like oh okay this is what it is you know it's kind of like you have to eat what's on your plate particularly in intensive uh, practice it's like but it's true in life in general like you have to eat what's on your plate so okay here's what it is and to some extent, it's good to reflect, like, okay, why did this come about? What are the causes and conditions? But sometimes you don't know, or sometimes you think you know, but you miss it. You know, sometimes you're like, oh, it's that person. Whereas actually what it is is that your shoes are too tight. You know, like you're blaming it on something over there, but it is like, oh, I have this pebble in my shoe. And that actually has been making me irritable, like, all day, right? So, but we construct this big story, like, it's because that person's breathing too loud. That's why, you know, it's their fault, Right. And, you know, then machinate how we're going to make them breathe differently and they need to get a uh, whatever, ventilator, you know, whatever, right? Um, so really then it's like, okay, this is what it is. This is what it is. I'm in the Titan realm. This is the warring God realm. Like, let me see what this is like. So actually just bringing a lot of interest to that. Like, what's it like to be in this place, right? Like, what's it like? And, and let me feel this also with interest and compassion as much as possible. Because today may be the first day of my life that I've been born in this realm, but some people live in this realm a lot, 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 you know. Like some people lead much of their life in this realm. And it's karma too, you know, I mean it really is karma. Like people who are born into, in war-torn countries, you know. I was just reading something about like child soldiers, right. Like there's many countries in which like kids are fighting wars, you know. And those kids, like, what have they done? They just, you know, took birth in this country and then they're, like, kind of conscripted. And here they are at, like, 12, you know, running around with some armament, care of the U.S. government usually, you know, uh, or somewhere else, right, Uh, instead of going trick-or-treating. And that's their life, right? So then it's, like, be afraid, kill or be killed, and that's it, you know? What can they do? So it's like, with compassion, be like, okay, what's it like to be in this state of mind? Like, let me feel what this is like. Let me actually feel this in my body, in my heart, right? And, and actually, if you're able to really feel it, then that allows that energy system to kind of move through, you know? 
the trick is that you have to really feel it without that idea. Like, now I'm going to feel you so you will move through. Because I just heard that you'll move through if I feel, you know. Like, you have to really be willing to be present with it, like, you know, uh, or it kind of sticks around, right? Um, and then you have to see also sometimes it's like, okay, there's something underneath of this. Like, I'm trying to pay attention, but it's just endlessly going, going, going. So what's underneath of this? Is there something actually fueling this? You know, so something that lasts many, many hours, oftentimes there's something underneath. So is it, what is it? With anger, sometimes sadness, uh, sometimes self-righteousness. That's a popular one, right? It's like, no, I'm right, they're wrong, right? So then feel that one. Sometimes fear. Fear is a popular subterranean fuel for uh, states, right? So then it's actually, okay, let me drop into that. Let me feel that. Like, what's that like? And just totally be present with that in as intimate and direct a way as you can, uh, Without trying to make it end, you know. So that's that's kind of the advice I'd have for that. So sometimes this lens of the different realms can be happy just to get a sense of um, distance from it. Not like, I am stuck in this and I need to get out of it. But it's like, oh, okay, this is what this is. This is like, um, kind of like semester abroad in the warring god realm or something, you know. <laughs> or my day trip. <laughs> we won't give you a semester. It's like my day trip to, uh, you know. <laughs> I didn't mean to go there, but here it is, you know, like somehow I got here, right? Hopefully there's a return ticket, right? But, you know, so, yeah, 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 so, yeah, thank you for your comment. Others? Yeah. Yeah, well, the, the Brahma Viharas is the top-notch one, I'd say, you know. Um. <laughs> you want more obscure? <laughs> Let's see, more obscure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, those ones bring the sort of spaciousness one, yeah. Um, so the question was, um, are there particular meditative practices that can help you to cultivate um, some of these uh, states, right, basically. Um, I mean, the the, the uh, Brahma Viharas are, like, not to be uh, sniffed at, really, because you can start with a sort of, like, you know, we just did it in a few minutes at the end, you know, may all beings be happy kind of thing. But actually, you can go very, very deep with them. And um, there's the, the basic ones that I mentioned, which are the um, loving kindness, uh, compassion, uh, sympathetic joy, equanimity, and then using those, you can actually develop states of concentration, uh, like basically states of absorption, right, uh, on those particular states. Using those states as sort of the the focus of abs- absorption, and through that absorption is actually where you go to these to uh, realms that are also considered realms of the gods. So these different levels of concentration or jhanas are also another way to explore that, right. So, you know, we have our our life force, and we eat, and we drink, and then we have energy and stuff like that. And then what do we do with that, right? So a lot of our energy gets kind of um, dissipated. Like, we're pretty distracted a lot of the time, you know. And um, I think I've heard studies that we, like, we use this very small portion of our brain, too, right? So developing concentration is actually kind of harnessing that power of our mind-body uh, in a very powerful way. So it's like, what if we distill that? So concentration being like, um, like focus, not like bearing down, but kind of focus, like um, uh, sort of like you know, orange juice concentrate is sort of like the distilled essence of orange juice or something like that, right? So what is? What if we were able to distill the energy and power of our mind and heart? Like, what would that be like, right? 
And so then as, as you are able to distill that sort of more and more, uh, you reach these different states of uh, concentration uh, in which there's kind of access to uh, these different realms that are actually considered like the realms of the, also some of these sort of like heavenly realms. And it's good to hang out in them during the time you hang out in them. And it also is good because it helps to let go of other um, other kinds of drives. So here we are in this, um, we're considered in the realm of sense desire, right? So we're in the realm of like, uh, basically like seeking pleasure and running away from pain and you know like a lot of our life if you actually pay attention is like trying to seek out good experiences like positive pleasant experiences right like we actually spend a lot of energy doing that like check it out sometimes like how much of my energy is going towards in some way machinating pleasant experiences right so nothing wrong with that per se like nothing wrong with having a certain level of uh, you know comfort and stuff like that but like where do I spend all my energy right so once you actually have your mind heart has spent uh, time in connection with some of these other more refined states it actually helps to let go of the kind of driving sense desire we have for like your basic stuff in some ways um, so it's kind of like if uh, you know after you've had like a very nice uh, like chocolate pastry or something it seems like very unrefined to like eat a spoonful of sugar you know like you probably wouldn't do that right or like kids would still do that, they like put sugar on everything, right? But then after a while, you don't want to do that. You don't eat a, maybe a cookie, but a nice cookie, or, you know. So it's something like that. It's sort of like, as we come into contact with more refined states of mind heart, then like our mind heart knows that as a place to be, and is like, oh, I don't actually need that as much. Now you can still access pleasure, but then your relationship to it is different because it's not driven by this like, oh, I must have that. Like that's going to do it for me. That's going to solve everything, or you know. So then actually when you can actually be totally present with uh, pleasure in and of itself, you can actually experience it much more and enjoy it much more in some ways. So, so that's the pitch for jhana practices as <laughs> uh, another way to access that. But yeah, both of those, you can take them to like very refined uh, realms. So that's good. Yeah. Others? Questions? Comments? All right, so we're coming up to nine now, I think. Sorry. I just realized, I just looked at the time. But come up afterwards if you want to, and I'll talk about it. So, all right. So, uh, if there's anything that has been confusing or perplexing about anything that I said, I encourage you to drop it and leave it on the floor here at the church. It'll be swept up in the end. No need to, like, worry too much about it. But if you're interested, you can also you know, read more about um, these things. I this copy of the Diga Nikaya, which is the Long Discourses of the Buddha. And there's uh, some stuff in this, um, which you can find online also, Diga Nikaya, D-I-G-H-A, in which he talks about some of this kind of thing. Um, or you can find other resources online if you're interested. But also, like I said, don't like spend too much time trying to figure it out, because we can't really figure it out. Like, given that which I've told you about, about the specific realms, like, I don't know about them. You know, that's like things I've heard. But I do know the experiences of mind-heart that I've had in this lifetime, you know, including access to concentration states and access to Brahma-viharas. So I know those are real and that those can be cultivated and that that's the way to freedom. So I'll leave you with that. So we'll sit together for a minute and just share the merit from our practice here.
So appreciating the opportunity to come together and reflect on teachings of liberation. Appreciating ourselves for having spent the time to come here, given all the things we could be doing. Uh, appreciating the Sangha as supporting us on our path of inquiry and freedom. We share the blessings from our practice with everyone here and with all beings in all the many realms, seen, unseen, near and far. May all beings be at peace. May all beings be happy. May all beings be free from suffering. to thank Anushka so much for being here and um, remind everybody that we pay $150 to rent the church on Tuesday nights and we have a little bit smaller crowd tonight Um, so we not only want to pay for the church but we want to um, support Anushka for all the beautiful wisdom that she shared with us tonight so if you're able to uh, support the church and support Anushka you can offer the Donna over in the basket on the organ and uh, we hope to see you next week thanks so much to everybody for being here